might try something else and see. I don't have to like put headphones, do I? It should automatically because I'm plugged in. So let's see how this works out. No. Hey, can you hear me? Hot. Okay, great. Now the next question is, can you guys hear me and Tanisha? Can we get a thumbs up? Because I hear no echoing right now. So that's a plus. So I just need to make sure the viewers can hear us. Alan, can you hear us? Can you? Are you watching? Go on. Okay, good. Yes, he said great. All right, so I do apologize for all the technical difficulties. Hopefully hopefully the viewers will come back on. So, Tanisha, I was telling them um, a little bit that, you know, you're a motivational speaker, a mentor, and then you have a life story to tell. So just give us a little information about your um, about yourself and then just go into your spiel. And, of course, you know I wouldn't mind asking a few questions, you know, if you don't mind. So introduce yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, hopefully we can get through this without any more technical difficulties. But my name is Tanisha, and I'm really excited to do this. Five boys. I'm a boy mom, and I'm 33 years old. Um, life has been, for me, I felt like, I remember at one point in life, I was just like, God, this is just not fair. Why do I feel like since young, you know, until when I can remember, like, like maybe six, seven years old, why life has always been so hard for me. I, I, I feel like as a kid, we shouldn't have any worries. You know, we should just be kids. We should be worrying about school and having fun and just until it's time to really start to, you know, take responsibilities. Right. So, um, I, I remember, so at a young age, I feel like I felt... And I knew everything that was going, again, as a kid, you should not, like, uh, my father, my father went to prison when I was about three. Um, I obviously, yeah, three, I don't remember, but I actually remember things from about four. Um, he went to prison and he did a really long bit, um, about 10 years. My mom went to jail when I was about six. Um, even rewind a little bit, I, um, grandmother took care of me my grandmother took over because my mom was 19 but she also struggled okay. with drugs at um, an early age um i was born so you know um so my grandparents took and my mom, mom and dad were like dibbling dabbling drugs and my oh, dad was also okay. a drug dealer so 
for that, for that, you know, to me, when I, when I, my life, I'm like, wow, I was like, really, to, for me, to crack epidemic, go through all that as such, I was not even, you know, a day old in our base and all of that, you know, you know? So, um, so that's that. And then my mom, as I grew up, my, my grandparents raised me. And then my, my mom, jail, my dad went to jail. She got 10 years. My mom went to jail. Seven years. Um, so he to raise me in North New Jersey. Uh, so again, North New Jersey was, was known as one of the, um, I would say the toughest cities. Um, you know, a lot of the crime rate was very high. There was, you know, killings every single day. Um, we lived in obviously a um, urban area, so with that alone, you know, it was a lot. Um, I remember seeing things at a young age that no one my age should have ever seen. I've seen people, been, I've been, I've seen violence um, at an all-time high. I remember being in a store when I was about five years old, and um, the store was being robbed. And I remember hiding in the down in the where the owner kept all the beer and everything um, to avoid being seen. Um, and that happened in Irvington, New Jersey. After that last incident, my grandmother said, "You know, no more. We have to like get the kids out of here. We have to move." So I then moved to Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Um, the time in the early 90s, um, obviously right. racism is still going on, but it was really racist back then. We lived right down the street from people who had con- Confederate mm. flags, KKKs, things like that. We had, we never, me and my siblings, we didn't know anything about that because we were black and we moved to our predominantly like white town but we didn't know about racism we were only like six and six three two we were like four um there was five of us that my grandmother ended up raising um that my mom was just having like back to back and we didn't know so when we would go down on the street and we would see like white people and we they like in disgust or we'd see people with skinheads and they would tell us oh skinheads you stay away from those they don't like black people it was like it was really rough and then we went to school we were like the only black kids there so it was a culture shock we go from being in schools where it's all blacks maybe a few puerto ricans no whites um, mainly black and Hispanic, Dominican, Haitian, African, to predominantly white. Being wow, six blacks and a school. Yeah, so uh, that was a culture shock. Um, I think we did our best to try to fit in. I I, I started to experience I experienced racism um, at the age of six. Um, so that was if pretty. Mommy asking what happened um, with that. Like, then, how did you even know at that young age it was racism? Like, was it something that dramatic or traumatizing that happened? If you don't. So my grandmother told me. So I would come home and like I'd tell her situations or something that happened to me, or the teachers were always being really harsh to me, or always like being down on you know being down at me and my grandmother said they're racist just like that and i'm like well like what's that and she's like they don't like black people 
They don't want to see you win. They don't want to see you succeed. They don't want it to explain to me. And I remember feeling so hurt, like, like, I'm just a kid. Why would a teacher, an adult, want, not want to see me win? Why would nice. a teacher be so mean to me? Why would a teacher be so and treat me different from nice. the other kids? Um, like, if I forgot my, I remember one incident, I was in fourth grade, I forgot my homework. Now, mind you, as a teacher, you don't really know what's going on in a a child's home. So I think you should be, you know, kind of flexible or kind of pull me to the side if you feel like I'm always all over the place or maybe seem unprepared or or unorganized. You don't know what's going on. Maybe I can't afford it. Maybe, you know, I'm going through a trauma at home that, you know. So anyway... The teacher said to me, um, you know, Tanisha, where's your homework? And I go, oh, I was running out. Now, mind you, I had to walk. They didn't have buses back then. So I literally, this is no exaggeration, I had to walk. I want to say about 12 miles to school. So imagine me having to be 8 o'clock. How long would you think that it would take a nine-year-old to get up, get dressed? My grandmother didn't walk me because my grandmother, you know, she would be home with my other siblings. So we would have to, like, bunch up and walk. Or sometimes we'd look up where uh, mom would say, hey, I'm trying to give you guys a picture. So I would have to walk, like, 12 and all types of weather to school I forgot my homework and my fourth grade teacher said to me how could you forget your homework again such a dodo bird and I was like a dodo bird but that's like the dumbest bird in the world like you know like they have like a really small you know brain birds in general but especially a dodo bird you know I did remember that it was like I remember hurting my feelings and I decided to stand up for myself. I said, you called me a, I said, wait, did you just call me a dodo bird? Right. That's a dumb bird. Wow. And she looked at me like, I was like, I'm going to tell my grandmother that you called me dumb. I'm going to tell my mom. I'm going to tell my dad. I went like, I stood up for myself. I just went off on her. And she then was doing her job. She then didn't report me. She came to me, tried to talk to me, tried to talk nice to me. Long story short, she was like my best friend to the end of the year. And then even after, I think it was that moment where right. I called her out on her BS and let and, and made her realize right. she was being exactly. to me. And I think she felt, I think, gen, I, I genuinely feel that, I mean, she was trying to save her job. And I think at one point it was a turning point for her. And I think that she realized she was being very unfair to me. Um, and it wasn't until she asked to speak to me to the side after school, and she found out, you know, little things about me, like I was writing yeah. every day to, you know, to 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 mail them out and things like that. She found out a little bit of my history. She was asking me questions, and I think she really, right. really ate her own crap. And I think time and um she was nice to me but that was my very that was my very first time experiencing racism, racism out very loud mm-hmm. it was very loud very broad and um child i just stood up for myself i'm like I, right. i'm not gonna take this from them you know now that my grandmother told me what it was i'm like oh no they're not gonna treat that's me that's that's horrible know? so that's kind of how that was
Yeah, it was horrible. It was. Um, and I stood up for myself every single time. Every single time. I had another incident in sixth grade where a mm. kid called me a nigger. And I was like, if you ever call me a nigger again, I will kill you. Right, right. Like, I'm just a kid. I wasn't talking. Did you like, get I in was trouble really for that? I meant, like, fight him. That was, like, tomboyish. Mm. I did. He did. I got in trouble. Not only did I get in trouble, I got charged wow. for terroristic threats. Charged for terroristic threats and fined. And oh, my God. As a sixth grader. Oh and I was God. only in sixth grade. And I was only in sixth grade. So, yeah. so some of the Is that some the reason that you wanted to mentor, you know, and be a role model for other children based upon what you went through, what you've seen? That's a lot, Tanisha, in just these few minutes that you shared. I actually knew that I wanted to be a okay. mentor at the age of 13. Um, I said, I, I, I said, I'm going to help children. I'm going to be, I'm going to help children figure this out. I don't want kids to grow up and not, and, and not be aware right. of what's going on around them and not know how to navigate through things and not know how to, um, I, I want them to be able to identify the feelings that they're going through, right. the emotions that they're going through. Um, for me, growing up, I was very lost. I didn't, I couldn't identify anything that I was going through. I didn't know that I was depressed. I didn't know um, that I was looking for love in all the wrong places because of feeling abandoned by my parents. And I was the oldest out of my mm -hmm. my um, my siblings, so my grandparents gave a lot of love to them. Not trying to take it from me but I was very independent thinking like you know what she's a girl she's independent she's very helpful they need more right, right. you know so I think I, I I lacked a lot of love I didn't get the typical I love you every day maybe a couple times a day I didn't get a tuck in bed I didn't get a I didn't you know I didn't mm -hmm. get a how would get those things and I don't think that my grandparents right. intentionally didn't do that I just think that they themselves were going through a lot. My grandfather was sick. Um, he had diabetes. He had um, uh, like a, mm -hmm. his kidneys were failing. So he was really, really sick, but he still tried to work. My grandmother had to quit her job as a dental assistant. And she was also going further in the medical field to take care of us. So I just feel now as an adult, I right. have to see what right. went on. Um, they, also, they also battled with their own addictions. My grandmother got clean when I was about 10. Um, but she she did also deal with an addiction, but she was more of a, I would say like- mm -hmm. That's, yeah, I hear that a lot. Like she was able to party during the weekdays and she was able to do those things, but she was still able to cook and clean and take care of us. Right. And, did know, that provide. ever make you feel, you know, with mom and dad yeah. and, and grandparents, you know, struggling with addiction or some type of addiction, did it ever make you feel like you're a burden or do you think they did this because of children? Did it ever make you feel some type of way? Did it question make you question you? Uh, yes, so it did. When I was reached teenage stage, I felt as that I was a burden. I felt as though, oh, maybe my parents could just come home and get their stuff together. You know, I can relieve my grandparents of me. 
because they were trying to take care of me, but I also was right. like a damaged child. I, there were so many questions. There were so many things going on. So I gave them a hard time. I feel that I gave them a hard time because I wasn't the typical child that you could just say whatever to or tell me to do whatever. Um, okay. I had questions, you know, and then I also was trying to be the protect my brothers and sisters. I had siblings that I also tried to protect. Um, so again, back to the mentor at 13, I remember sitting in my room and I said, I'm going to, I'm good. I said, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to have an organization. This is before like things were really popular. I don't it's funny when I think about it, like, wow, I really thought of this at 13 because I felt like if I could just make it through, I'm definitely going to tell nice. my story and I just want to help others. I just want to help other kids not get to the point because to be honest, I didn't really, I fought life so hard and I kept going through it, kept going through it, kept going through it. And I couldn't, I didn't start to like grasp it and really change my life until about 22. It was a, it was And a when you say road. change your life, you mean as far as speaking back and not letting people say certain things to you? When you say change your life, what do you mean? I always spoke back and I've always been like a tough cookie, but I also, I guess okay. I dealt with depression and I also dealt with um, post-traumatic stress disorder that you know, they recognize it now, but I, but um, according to my therapist, I've had it at a young age because right. I went through a lot of trauma. My mom, when they were there for my mom and they took my mom, mm. they came on a helicopter. They took my mom. It was all over the, there was like a, a reward oh, wow. for my mom's arrest. So I went through seeing that. I, uh, my mom was like on TV and there was a lot, it was a lot. So I was only like five when they took my, I was like five going on six when they came in and bust down the door. And, you know, so what the therapist explained to me is that the trauma that I experienced caused my depression, anxiety, and I've had it for so long and I channeled it for so long without knowing that I ha had it. I didn't go and seek help until I was about 26, oh, wow. 27. But at 22, at 22, I was arrested. And when I went to prison, as when I was like sitting and I was thinking and it all hit me. Everything, I think it was like not, I mean, obviously I wouldn't want to go to prison. Right. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, it's definitely, but for me, it was the breaking point. For me, open my eyes because I had no choice but to sit Oof. for 18 months. How did you handle that? Like, um, It was rough. At 22, I'd already had three children. And it was really, I think the toughest part was leaving them. Mm. Um, it, it really was a tough part for me. I didn't think that I would be able to do it just for the fact that I would miss my children. I didn't think that anyone could raise my children or treat my children the way I did. I know what I went through as an abandoned child. So I feel like my children would go mm. through. I was so scared my right. children would be, you know, mistreated somehow or whatever. Um, so... It was rough for me, and every time I think about it, the first 30 days was the hardest, but after I got over those 30 days, I realized this is God sitting <laughs> me down to look at my life from the outside in and 
I was able to do that. So when I was released, I was a force to be reckoned with because I said, okay, I got this. I know what happened. This happened. I know what's going on. I know manipulation. Right. I, know, I knew so much. I did research. I went back to school. I did so much and I realized I realized everything that I went through was for a reason. And, but one important thing that I realized is that what I went through was only 10%. The 90% out of, you know, out of a hundred, 90% is how I perceived it and what I, how I acted off of it. Because I went through things, but because I didn't know how to handle it, I think they 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 lasted longer and it took a a deeper effect on me because I just right, I didn't know what right. I was going through. This, you know, so I think, it takes a yeah. strong individual to you know be who you are today and go through as much as you went through from a young child even to age 22 so i am a strong believer that everything happens for a reason so maybe it was that time for you to just sit down and and take a look at yourself and you know figure things out wow right because i said god why would you allow me i mean i always talk to god and i said i was so angry at this point i felt like i'm not even going to be a believer anymore i'm like why would you allow me to go to jail knowing that it was pretty much a a guilty association more than i was i'm not a drug dealer i'm not you know i'm not any of that and i, I was really angry and like i said it was after 30 days when i real i mean i'm in a maximum wow. state prison okay i'm in maximum state prison the prison that you see on snap uh, one of the prisons that you see on snap and people are there mm. they killed and they've on death row and they, i mean right. i'm like god this is not for me like why would i be here so it was after those 30 days where i realized it, and i was able to come out and you know i learned so much and how I knew being a mentor and motivational speaking was for me and just being, you know, an inspiration is that the women in prison, we're talking, I'm talking women that are 20 years older than me, 10, 20 years older than me. These women in prison were, um, when I look back at, there's like a little, mm -hmm. there's like a little notebook that they signed and they wrote like things for, you know, me to look at when I go home. And I remember opening that and I was like, there's no way these women feel this way about me. They were just telling me how the whole time I was there, how mm -hmm. I inspired them and how I inspired them to be better and how I gave them a better outlook on life. And I'm like, me? Like, to that. I you were just being you. That. Right. I just was being myself, but, right, I was being myself, but I guess just being myself and the way I would talk to them and they would ask me advice or we, we would just have conversation inspired them. And, and I remember nixing that off, like, there's no way. I'm just, there's no way I could be that. I don't even want to do that anymore. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to inspire people. I don't want to motivate people. I'm not a good role model. I was like, no. I don't want to be a role model. I, could, I felt like I wasn't worthy of being a role model because of all the things that I went through and the times that I failed and the mm -hmm. times that I felt like I felt my children. I'm like, I don't want to be a role model because people right, are going to accept right. me. And that's not all the time what it is. But exactly. I realized that wasn't exactly. the case. And, and sometimes right. you're inspiring people and don't even know it. Like today, you know, who say we would have crossed paths for you to share this story with people you probably never would have even, you know, on my, on my end, you know, you're probably inspiring somebody right now 
that you 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 never right, right. thought in a million years that you would. So this is awesome, Tanisha. You know, and and like I said before, like you said, everything happens for a reason. So had some of those things didn't happen, nice. you know, you never know where you would be today. So I, I yeah, exactly. And that's what I said. That's how that's how I look at it. I'm like, okay. Um, even in like my first relationship, um, my very first like deep relationship, I experienced domestic violence and um, I didn't even know, you know, you know how you hear about domestic violence and you may even sometimes see it. And I always said, right. how do women yeah. get themselves involved in that? Because I felt like, oh, the first I'm time they their hand on me, they're done. Right. That's not the case. I, right. And then I ended up getting into it. And then I was so deep into it. And I was like begging God. I remember, like I said, I, I know I've shared this before. I remember like talking to God. And I feel like he's not hearing me. I got to write this down. Maybe I got to write it down. I remember 19 year old me writing down a letter to God, like wow. to help me. Like, how did I get into it? Because I fell so deep into the relationship that I didn't see who he was. And then it wasn't until after I already was in the relationship that I experienced the manipulation, the uh, being possessive, and then mm. the hitting. And I took the hitting as he was like fighting me. I didn't really take it as really? a I don't really? still to this day, I really can't tell you. Yeah, I just took it as like we argued and he hit me and I hit him back and we went back and forth and you know he would always be so apologetic so it was really rough for me because i felt like i was mm. in the world by myself i felt like okay because my grandmother when i would when i told my grandmother she was like mm, told you so because she kind of identified it before i even really got into the relationship my old school so she's like i told you i told you he's no good he's no good you know so i didn't have i'm the oldest sibling so it wasn't like i had other siblings to go to to talk about right. it too. I didn't really have lots of friends. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real stick to myself type person. And then I was almost embarrassed to talk to anyone outside of that. You know? Yeah. So I never got help with it. I just, I just dealt with it. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And just, and it, it took, like I said, for me to go to prison for me to realize my worth, like, wait, right. man, he was abusing me this whole time. I know it sounds so crazy, but it wasn't until I went to prison I said, he was abusing me. He was mm. manipulating me. He was playing on my kindness. Like, he, wow. it all hit me. Um, and it wasn't easy when I was released. All the things, you know, everything is always easier said than done. So, all the things that I wrote from prison by the way i'll be celebrating oh, wow. 10 years in okay. september all the things that i thought that i would do i did accomplish it but it took a while so i was released from prison when i was 20 mm -hmm. i want to say 24 yeah 20 24 right 24 and i thought i would i thought took a while it didn't take a long time but it took about three to four years i'm 33 now it took about three to four years for me to really stand firm on things like letting right. go not dealing with my children's father anymore not dealing with this person um i was attracted to 
guys that were no good for me. I know women, I know right. women on here can all relate that we like the ones who are aggressive right. and thuggish and, you know, no good for you. Yeah. And no, yeah. you, know, you know how it goes. But those were the examples that were set for me. All of my uncles were drug dealers and not of jail. My dad was a drug dealer and not of jail. And for some reason, to me, I don't know. I just felt like no one could take me serious that right. a corporate person or someone who's of anything. Stand for where you came from, right. So I literally always, right, they're not going to understand me. I thought I got to be with someone that can relate. Maybe I could be with someone who's like me, but also right, to try right. for, be for the better. Those are all the wrong perceptions, but those are, but you have to understand I'm navigating right. through life by myself. I have no dad to tell me right or wrong. I don't have no mom mm. to tell me right or wrong. Had no, like, I only had one cousin who I consider her my aunt when I was younger, who would always willing to listen to me and not, like allow me to vent and kind of help me through um, some some parts of life, but mm -hmm. sometimes I wouldn't go to her things. But I felt Aww. very alone, and I had to figure it out. And I thought to myself, I cannot allow right. children to feel this way. I can't allow these children to to do this. If, even if I could save only a few. So the mentoring program that I do, mm -hmm. I talk at a middle school. I go to the middle school because I feel right. like it kind of starts there. So I talk to them. I, I, I teach them how to recognize manipulation. Parents, even with their, their family members. Um, I teach them about um, mm -hmm. even like molestation. So right. Those things are not talked right. about right. in school. At all. At all. It's like, oh, we can't talk about yes, that. Yes, you can. Well, yes, you can. And I think you should. If you teach people... If you teach these kids that molestation doesn't look like a stranger molesting yeah. them, it could be uncle, cousin, brother, sister, neighbor. They don't teach the kids that. So they get they can get easily caught up in someone pretending all about them and be there for them their times of need. Only to do right to do, you know, mm. the next step. So I teach a molestation. I teach about manipulation. I teach about, you know, toxic parents, toxic family members, because I have a lot of the girls who say they're, mm -hmm. they don't get along with their mom. And, and Shima, you wouldn't believe how many moms are in mm. competition with their children and how many moms oh my God. men over their children. And how many, you know, for me, for my mom, I, I love my mom to death and I still talk to my mom daily. And I have respect for my mom because my mom right. was an addict. And at least it was out loud and clear. I'm an addict. I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. She still struggles to this day. However, it's the moms that want to pretend to be a good mom and they keep their children. They take them through things. But really, they're not addicts, but they're right. like strung out over guys and they're you know they rather party every weekend and instead of mm. pouring into their children and talk to them so i try to help the girls realize and talk them through right. it like do in situations like that that's a
I noticed just from us like speaking, um, yeah. you know, you, you get a lot of people that say they're mentors or, you know, motivational speakers, but you rarely hear individuals that speak about things that no one wants to address. It's the normal things, you know, well, not normal, but you know, it's not about, like you said, molestation or, or parents right. or, or family, you know, that's kind of stuff people stray away yeah. from and, and focus right. on the strangers or, you know, so kudos to you, Tanisha. Yeah. Right, wow. right right i well right and um i don't remember like when i went to school they came and they talked right. about dare they talked about mm -hmm. drugs and things like that and it's like let's exactly. really talk about what's going on let's really talk about what what these children will face mm. throughout their life that's because guess what i feel like and i could be wrong but i feel like women and children are the most targeted yes, i agree 100 for me i agree 100 because people prey on the weak. But you have right. locked right. up. And let some, let Tommy say, coming down the street looking good, things get, get with, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, Jessica has a child. Tommy's whole Right, exactly. Like the child. He sees that Jessica is a weak individual. So he's going to go with Jessica and play Jessica and do everything right and then say everything right mm, just to get right. next to the child. But those are things that people don't want to talk about. Those are things that people don't realize. Those are things that just are not said. Those are things, and right. even in our own community, and it's very sad that the are left under Absolutely. the rug. Even when, you know, I had an incident. And the reason why I feel so dear about this because I had an incident when I was a child, uncle that wasn't my biological uncle. He was um, he had a child with my aunt, with my great aunt, and I would always trusted him. I would always see him, and I hi uncle, hi uncle. I'd be, as a kid, excited every time he see me. He he buy my favorite fruit snack. I'm a, I'm a little old school, so I used to like to take the ticket and I used to like to do the scratch offs. So, like, he would always do everything I like. If I say I wanted a pair of sneakers and my grandmother couldn't afford it, he's like, Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it. Well, guess what? That uncle, that great uncle, was only grooming me so right. that he thought Ooh. he could touch me. So, it came to the time where he thought he could touch me. Right. And I was not a kid. Like when he did it, I already knew. I had an aunt who said to me, and I'm grateful for her, God bless her soul, rest in peace. She came to me and said that if anybody ever tried, I remember being like four or five and she explained to me that right. they're about pedophiles and molestation and things like that. And so I recognized mm. what he was trying to do. Not the part where he was grooming me. He asked oh, me to on his lip. I mean, his uh, lap and give him a kiss. Now, I sat on my uncle's laps all the time, my grandpa, things like that. So that wasn't. But when he asked for the kit, something in my spirit was like, I was nervous. I was scared. Yeah. And I a kiss. So he did that. And I tried to give him like a quick kiss. But he like, oh, goodness. For like a poster. Yeah. Kiss, like a French kiss. And I thought, oh, my God. Like, it a part of me, a little piece of me died right there. I loved him. He was a great uncle to me. Always, you know, but 
I held the secret on only because I wanted to find the right time yeah. to tell everyone. Um, and I ended up telling a counselor. Oh, he tried several times after that to like grope me some type of way. And I was only, I, can't, I really can't remember the exact age, but I want to say I was anywhere between nine and 11. And I remember telling my, my, um, my counselor what happened to me. And my counselor immediately got on it, called. But the saddest part of it all, to make the long story short, nothing was done about it. My aunt was in an attic. Uh, my aunt was an attic, and when I was an attic, and everyone was dibbling, dabbling drugs, and it was just like, uh, it was never. Listen, I'm sorry, this happened to you. Blah blah. It never, mm. Nothing was done family until the day he died which took a couple years ago um so for me i got through it um it, uh, it bothered mm. me for mm. some years just i guess i think what bothered me the most is that right right you know, i think that my school tried to do something about it and they couldn't really press charges if they couldn't you know at that point there wasn't right, any like right. physical proof it was just me against them and wow. you know whatever so for me, absolutely, this needs to be talked about, and I use my voice every chance I can to talk about it. And I and I use mm. my voice to talk to children um, about it, boys and girls, because right. you know. Um, wow. So they don't ever ask me what I talk about in the school. So they never. They just know that I'm a mentor. They like the way that I, I everything you can, everything yeah. that I can fit in. Wow, Tanisha. Wow. Every day I start my, every day I start off with, we start off in the class and I say, ask. and then they tell me and I say, now, how are you really doing? Like what happened? How was the weekend? I talk to my girls individually. If I see that someone seems a little, you know, reluctant to mm -hmm. share or seems something's wrong, I always go up to my, or I ask to speak to them to the side or after class. Because right. I want to know what's going on. I, I I want them to talk to me. I want them to trust me. I want them to tell me, and they and they spill it. My dad, mom did this. My my dad and my mom are divorced. You know they, and I try to really help them channel through That's all amazing. of that. So it's a passion of mine. It really, really is. Right. Uh, I'm kind of lost for words. You know, when we spoke briefly, yeah. I didn't think. You know, you had all this in you, but it made such a, a great, inspirational person. So, again, kudos to you, Tanisha. Like, that needed to be said. I know someone on here needed to hear this because we have yet to speak about something to this caliber. So, this is amazing. Continue to do what you do. Like, this is good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the platform. Oh. I, I'm just I'm just ready for a change, and I know that I can't change the world, but I can change exactly. myself, and I can do my part. Um, One little girl, two little girls, two boys. You touched someone, and you made a difference in someone's life. Right. This is good. Absolutely, and um, even my prison experience. Um, technically, you have to wait till ten years, so you don't even know how anxious I am to get back to, to that speak. prison to speak and to uh, motivate and to inspire and to help these women. Like I'm itching to get back. So when my date comes up, 
I'm ready. Like, like you can come back into the prison. If mm -hmm. you have an organization, if you're a speaker or anything, you can come even though you've been there. Right. Like, it has to be 10 years. You can even visit the inmates and everything. And I know that I left my mark there. So that makes me really proud. And even though I didn't know I was inspiring others, um, right. I'm really proud that I did. And I'm glad that God has mm -hmm. given me this gift to where I exactly. inspire and I don't even know. Um, to where I uplift or motivate and I don't even know. I'm just talking. Um, so, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm eager to get back because that's another thing that I need to mark off. I the ministry because no matter how hard, how convinced you, you know, you are that once you leave that prison, you're going to do better. I want to be able to do like that. And as positive as I am, and I'm not, you know, I don't do drugs or I don't do anything to lead me astray, I still had such mm -hmm. a struggle. And I want to let them know what to expect and all the hurdles right. that you still have right. to get over and all the things that you'll have to beat. I want to teach them how to get out and get on their feet and, and, and establish credit or fix credit, um, establish housing, or, you know, um, teach them all about you know owning property right. and um different all the things that they say exactly and, and see what would make as you ex exactly and as being black and what would make you stand out you know a lot of individuals so. inside those walls probably speak to the therapists and things that can't relate that wasn't actually there you know, so again, that that makes they weren't yeah, there. They weren't, they there. weren't there shooting in the gym. Exactly. I say that all the time. You weren't with me shooting in the gym, so you can't relate. Sometimes, like I, you know, with therapists, it's like I could talk to you, and yeah, you got your fancy degrees, but you can't relate. Exactly. I can exactly. relate. I can relate, and I can tell you, I've I can't name one thing that I haven't been mm. through in life. And I said to myself. I've been through so much, but the, I feel the storm is over. This is your, this time. Is your time. I, I did take me through. Yeah, I feel like God took me through a lot, but he was preparing me Absolutely. for today and for the day after. And just, you know, so um, a little bit about my cooking, too. Mm -hmm. So my cooking, also, I put that, I put, I, I people eat my food and just like <laughs> you put a lot into this food i'm like i do because the cooking is therapeutic for me it all ties into my my past life and everything mm -hmm. has to be right and i put so much into it all my ingredients i'm like no this has to be this i right. sub this for that and i'm like a lot of people say that my food is oh. like a love language and it is. It's my way of, of, of just, like, I want you to feel comfort when you eat my food. I want you to feel loved when you eat that food. I want you to feel that 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 type of hospitality. Because let me tell you something. When you cook for someone, if you've got a lot of love in you, when you put I hear that, that a food, lot. They're going yeah. to be like, oh, these yams are so good. It's true. It's true. It's very true. You can eat some yams, and what do you do? If you tap your foot, it's good, right? Because <laughs> I know when I eat food and I get to tap my foot, I when I eat good food, I'll be like, when it's yeah. good, I'll be in a whole other world. I feel so good at the time. Some people I be humming. Like some people high. <laughs> I'm a foodie. So I'd be like, 
<laughs> hum, yes. I'm like, I be tapping. Sometimes <laughs> I do hum. Um, I've heard from my fiance that I make, I, I make like a little moan. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I, I don't, when I eat food, I literally don't want to talk to anybody. So I'm not really the girl to go on a lunch date or a dinner date mm-hmm. with. If we are going to do that, it has to be something right. like appetizers or you need drinks. To eat your food. I need to eat my food. I need to feel everything. I can't talk to you. I'd be like, I can't even hear you when I'm eating. I'd be like, I, I might go, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. but I can't give you feedback, you know. So when people eat my food, um, you know, I just I used to do this a long time ago. And I just launched it again a couple months ago, and all the mm-hmm. love that I've been getting for that, and people saying like, "Girl, you put no. like your everything into this food. This is so good. It makes me feel so good because I know right. you're taking your time to do it. it. And you know, I send out. Yep, I send out. I give little cards with uh-huh. it, like a thank you, and I uh, with a blessing, uh, a little, a small little message with it. Because you just never, and I've heard that everyone's like, oh, we love the idea that you give these cards. Like it was, you personalized by someone that they were having a really rough day, just eating my food. And then the personal message was everything for them. Um, So uh, I think that I'm tapping into what God wants. And that's why everything is just going so well. Right, right. And even with the cooking, you know, you're still. No, even with the cooking, you're still giving some type of inspiration with those cards. So you're still in your calling, you know? Um, so so that's good. But I did have a question. What I was going right, to say right. is cooking with love. Is that something that can be taught or you just have to like cooking? Because one day I would love for you to show me how to cook something. But would I be cooking with love being that that's not my passion? I don't know. So you could, ha- I mean, you can cook. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be your passion. It's not, it's not about the passion okay. where the love comes in at it. It's about you it. putting okay, your all that makes into sense. It. Um, right, right. You kind of just putting your all into it. But for me, I, it's a passion and I put my all. And when you bite into my food, I want, I, I personally strive for that. Like when you, you bite ready for them food, to say, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like no matter what you've been going through that day, when you fight into that food. You want to forget about the day you had, whatever was going crazy. Like that's the response. And my so, just a background on my cook and my grandfather who raised me was a professional okay. chef for the Navy. And I could cook a wow. at the age of nine. Then when my grandfather got ill and no longer could cook, mm-hmm. he was like the you cook of the family. Okay. I literally took that over. Oh, yes. I will cook whole chicken, steak dinners, uh, baked macaroni and cheese, collard greens, yams, everything. And wow. it got to the point where on Thanksgiving, like, I was just start taking over. You know, so you can do the Thanksgiving things, meal. And my grandfather's food was the same way. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. My grandfather, um, when we when I would eat his food, even it, even though, like mm-hmm. I said, I felt a little neglected for my grandparents, but like I said, they had a lot on their plate. My grandfather was ill, and he it was just a matter of time before he would pass from his his illness. And my grandmother was taking see, can you put these balloons. Your balloons are hitting me in the face. Um, so, um, I would feel the love that my grandfather. When my grand, I mean, when I say he could cook, he would always on the weekends he had off make us like. 
really big breakfast, like um, eggs and steak and potatoes with like onions and peppers and biscuits. Oh, wow. and I mean, when I tell you, he would really cook and I would just be so in love. I would be just be a kid and I'd be waiting patiently for that, like, be starving all day because he would cook all day and it wouldn't be ready till like one o'clock for, for breakfast. And he would have all this like Southern style food. And I just would just be sitting there just eating and just feel so good. Right. And you go take that nap because <laughs> you got a little food coma going on. And so I said, I want to cook like this. I told my grandpa, I, you know, I want to cook like this. Like I want to make people happy. Like I want to, like I would see the response. Like people all around the neighborhood would come and get his food. And, get his food. and they, my grandfather also, and my grandmother, wow. yep, they sold dinners. Okay. Back in the day, they sold dinners, like on the weekend. So um, I just wanted to do that. And I knew it was my passion because when it comes to food, I'm definitely like a guru of food. Like I can put things together in my head. I can, it's mm-hmm. like, I went with my taste buds. I can say, mm, that's not going to work. Or if you put this without even trying it, I can say, if you put this, it's going to work. It's oh, going to wow. go good. I know. Like with my sweet potatoes, people love all my food, but I have like secret recipes. I do do some of the traditional ways, but I have uh, always you- some ingredients that <laughs> no one knows about. They, you know, they tried to like, oh, what is it? Like, right. you know, I've had yams before, but what's up with your yams? Uh-huh. You know, so, um, yeah, it, it's a passion for mine, and I and I hope to uh, right. open up like a small based on soul food and unique dishes. Okay, uh, well that'll be great. Soon. And then one day yeah. when you're doing your motivational speaking, you can cater the event. Yeah. You know, with your own food. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it goes hand in hand, like motivation, food. Yes. It's like, it goes hand in hand. Um, so, you know, I'm just really excited about this journey I'm that I'm taking. I'm excited for you. You know, because I did fight fight it for a while. Because I'm like, God, I can't talk to people. They're not going to listen. People are not going to believe me. People are not going to be receptive to, you know, all those fears that you, you know, would feel um, just as a, a normal human being. Like, you feel like it's right, just not right. going to work. And, um doing my motivational speaking and the responses like just alone this week i haven't spoke i don't really do i want to do more mm-hmm. on my instagram my facebook like just daily little uh messages um but like when people randomly message me and tell me that you uplift me you inspire you motivate me i'm just like what how what am i doing right. i'm just sharing my post about my children or this or that and it, it makes it makes me feel really good and i thought to myself I gotta really start speaking more. Yeah. So they can tell it's genuine so say, and that it comes from know? a good place. Yeah. I have so much to say. Um, before we um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, no, I was just gonna say I seen a lot of people um that were chiming yeah, in, so I kind of wanted to go back in case it's something that they were asking you. Um, let's see. Sure. Did she say hello? Um, let's see. Um, Nicole said start to label us probably we're speaking about the school and and the teacher um alan said you would think it was just the yes. south you know but it's in new jersey yeah i would only think it was the south too my sister said troubles all over 
Um, Nicole said, I'm from Jersey City and didn't experience racism until I moved here in the South. So y'all had, she was from New Jersey, but she didn't experience until she moved here. Um, Let's see. Um, Someone said, um, April said, uh uh-huh. And you know what's funny to me? When I go to the South, Mm -hmm. when I go to the South, I tell my fiance, I was like, I love it here. Like I was just in North Carolina for a wedding. Um, is that really yeah, I would think so. Like, mm-hmm. right? I would say it's been so south. Even when I went to like Georgia, I've been to south, like different places, and I love it. Right? Maybe because I don't live there, and I'm just like, oh, the hospitality is so good. The food's always on point. They know how to season <laughs> the food. The tea is always sweet. That's that's the reaction I get when I go to the south. But I have heard of how bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a few of us were really shocked to say you experienced that up north. You know, not saying it doesn't happen, but normally here. Um, someone said, I guess, uh-huh. Oh, it's bad. You know what I think? Mm-hmm. You know what I think really is? I think it's oh. hitting. I think it's hitting behind things. Because when I, all the racism that I ever experienced, it was, I'm racist, but I'm trying, but I'm not racist. It was like, I'm being racist to you, but okay. I'm hoping you don't notice that I'm being racist to you. I hope that you don't, I hope you don't catch what I'm trying to say. I hope by me calling you dumb and you're only nine you wouldn't years catch old, it. Yeah. you don't catch that I really don't wow. care for black. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So you have to really like, um, like for jobs, I would get job offers, but it's no coincidence that all the white people get moved and I'm, I'm so experienced and I'm such a good asset to the company, but I don't get mm-hmm. promoted. So what is that? Right. You know, um, I remember, you know, working at a restaurant and I kept asking to be a server and there were so many excuses as to why I couldn't be a server. Guess what they wanted me to do? And not a, being a bus boy or nothing stand, like that. Staying <laughs> at the door. Oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> Um, they wanted me to, to, to greet and sit people. Oh, well, you're not, you don't have a lot of experience. So if you could just, you know, we think that you'll be good with just like greeting mm. the people and sitting and, and showing them their seat. And I'm like, wait, but I have so much more potential that I started to get in the restaurant business because I wanted to be a server. And then I thought possibly when I wanted to manage a restaurant, that was like my thought right, process right. at that time. But every door, they just kept trying to close in my face. Eventually, I got to where I needed to be. But why did it take me almost three, almost three, get and there. three years to get there? When I would see young girls that would be like 16 years old would come in, start out as a seater or a busboy, and within They're three, already other. four yeah. months, a server. How does that yeah. happen? That definitely, they were trying. And I only think, I only think, only think, I could say is that the only difference between color them and I was yeah. their skin color. You, you can't explain that anyway. You know, um, another job I was at, I was having a lot of family issues with my family and my children. I was going through a rough time. And the guy literally said to me, I'm going to have to lay you off because, you know, my employees, they have problems, Ooh. They have problems like yours. Wow. I, and I was like, like mine, because it wasn't like a significant problem. I just had my son was having like behavior problems. Right. I had to like go to meetings and things like that. At one point, at one point in time, he had court, and I would have to like leave work early or come in later because of court. Wow. But problem like mine, yeah. I realized that was definitely that racist. Was racist. A racist, comment, a yes. racist wow. Comment. 
um, when I tr when I tried to branch off to be an entrepreneur, I had people tell me like, "Well, I know you couldn't do what we do because it's really expensive. I mean, it, it's a it's a lot of money to own wow. this building." How do they know? And I'm like, "How do you really tell them that?" How, I, you know what I said to my fiance? I go, "Do they have right into my bank account or something? Like, do they know my credit score or something?" Like, it was just mind blowing to me. I'm like, "They got right. something I don't know." Because People always judge a book by its cover you, for no you know reason. You nothing about yeah. me. You're telling me. My thing is, it had to be racism because I'm here. I'm driving a nice car. I have my own home. I possibly know what I can and cannot afford, or what type of buildings I can own or not own. Right? I don't understand I why I, I don't understand it. I think we never will completely understand a, a racist person. Yeah, it's a I mean, like, I don't know. It's sad. They they know that they're privileged, mm. and that's the bottom line. They know that they're privileged. They feel like they can talk to you any type of way. They feel like they can throw in the little sneak mm. disses. Um, they feel like they can do that because yeah. they're privileged. So it's like, no matter what, I'm always going to be right and you're always going to be That's wrong. Sad. I could walk in with an idea and get a loan. You could walk in with an idea right. and get denied. Right. And that's just kind of how it is. And that's also something mm. that I teach. Every, you know, everything that I go through, I want to share it. Yeah. The children so that even if they don't grasp it now, maybe when they get older, they say, oh, they're going to remember. I remember exactly. I had this mentor name was Miss mm -hmm. Tanisha and she told me. Yeah, when they get in that first domestic relationship, God forbid they don't, I, I pray they don't, they're going to be like, wait a minute, Miss Tanisha right. told me that I would experience a sign. This is a sign. Like, this is something Miss Tanisha talked about. This is a red exactly. flag. I should be exactly. You know, um, things like that. So I, I really, I, I, you know, the whole turning the, the mm -hmm. pain into to, to passion, I am even in because like I said, I've been through so much. So to that I continue to strive right. and the way that I continue to not take no for an answer and the way I continue to I, I can, you can open up my Yes, absolutely. Um and yeah, I you don't have to and if a door is closed, I take it as that's God's hand, that's right. not for you. I have something better. I believe that if God closes ten doors, he's open twenty more. Absolutely. Um, so that's just kinda my thing. And I also I also wanted to say just to everyone really quick, I noticed a lot that when you're striving to be better and you're striving to be an entrepreneur or anything that you're striving to do, I noticed that a lot of people talk about not having mm -hmm. support. So I just want to say this really quick. The only person that should support you. Absolutely. The only person you should count on is your support is you. The moment you hold everyone else to maybe you have high expectations for everyone else, right. you'll be disappointed. Absolutely. You cannot, it doesn't matter their title, mother, father, brother, sister, and you feel like, well, they should support me. I'm their blood. I love them. Blah, blah, blah. I, I did this for them. I did that. And I think that's another, a, another disappointment is when you've done something what with someone expect. And you're like, well, now it's my turn. You're not right. doing it for me. You, you're not. Ex you're expecting the same. 
Oh, and I say to myself, when I do things for people, I do it out of love. I do it out of kindness in my heart. I'm so you don't expect anything. I don't expect anything back. If I bought a pair of shoes from you, if I bought a pair of shoes from you and now I'm launching a business and you don't even buy a pencil from me, I'm not going to throw some type of way because point, obviously God appointed me to do exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. You needed it more than me. So God put it on my heart to support you. I don't need you to support me. and I'm not going to feel some type of way because right. you're not supporting me. Um, and then here's another thing. Some people don't clap for you. Think about this. They can't clap for themselves. For themselves. They can't even clap wow. for themselves. So what makes you okay. think they can clap for you? They can't even motivate themselves to get up out of the bed and to do half. And sometimes there may be some type of mm -hmm. jealousy. Because you're doing want to do all that that's a good way to look at it and they can't do it so they can't bring themselves to congratulate you or to be happy for you wow. they can't motivate, motivate themselves you right. think they're motivate absolutely you? you think they're gonna right you think they're gonna cherry you on they're not they're mm. not so I feel so bad when I see people post about, oh, this person can't even repost my stuff, can't even watch my live, can't even buy this from me. You got to let that go. It's all false, false, false hope. You got to let that go. You got to just support yourself, be your number one cheerleader, be your number one supporter. And it's gonna, if it's for you, God's going to make a way. It don't even matter if you, if you go right. alive and only two people is there. Guess what? God wanted those two people to see what exactly. you had to say. So you don't have to worry about, you know, all, you know, everyone else. And I think that's just important. I really wanted to say that because themselves and they, they, they have so much fear and starting right. a business or just anything in general, like children. They want to play basketball, but they don't see right. mom in the crowd. Yeah. They don't see dad in the crowd. They don't see anyone cheering them on. And yes, it's a sad thing. But even as children, we have to teach them. You support yourself. You support yourself. Do it for you. You tell yourself yeah, you can do it and absolutely. you do it. Do it for you. Don't do it for mom. Don't do it for dad. Don't do it for friends. Do it for you. And I just think that's really important because I think that's where a lot of people get let down. And they don't do, they don't try to go any further. They don't reach their goals. They don't try to be successful because they're so concerned about everything everybody else and i just think the important part in life is to just fight right. for yourself right right that was well said Absolutely. and that was well needed to be honest with you um that was well needed and again tanisha this was a amazing segment you said a lot and i know people can feed off of it i know people felt it it was all genuine one day maybe we can you can teach me how to cook those yams without the secret recipe <laughs> Yes. But I appreciate you, Tanisha. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to tell you my secret recipe. I can do it. Okay. It's really good for you. Okay. Maybe if maybe if I'm South ever you're in North Carolina, right? Are you mm -hmm. in South Carolina? Okay. Maybe if I'm ever in that area, free okay. I can come okay. show you personally. But I don't know if we can make it public. I can come show. I'm willing to come show you personally. And I hope that we can do something in the future because I like to now to my uh -huh. motivational speaking and you know sure. things. I would like to come out, and um, maybe we can put something together. We can have some great foods. We could do some a live oh, talk, like yeah. where people actually come 
there and we can eat and we can talk and we can laugh and we could cry and you know we could motivate um that was that sounds <laughs> yes, good. She said the yams are dope. Her daughter loves them. <laughs> we can definitely set so, that up in the future. Yeah, I'm so yes, open me too, to definitely. So please, yeah, reach out to me. I mean, from here to South Carolina on a flight is like less okay. than two hours. So I'm um I was just out, you know, we were there last year and we really enjoyed it. And this is my calling. This is what I'm ready to do. So wherever God okay. needs me, I'm yes, gonna go. And uh, okay. yeah, so we could always set something up. I would love to come out there and talk to the younger generation and even young women and um, answer questions and right. you know, try to help them. We can definitely set that up and I'll definitely keep in touch. I appreciate that offer. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us today. I know a lot of people um, heard it, felt it. So thank you so much. Monday. Again, Tanisha, you rock. You're amazing. Kudos. Yeah. Thank you so much, Prima. If you could save this and see. I uh, sure will. I'll get your information. Yo. Okay. All right. Thank you. And what we say, peace and love. All right. Thank Thanks you so everybody. much. Bye-bye. God bless everyone. Yes.